Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Welcome, everybody, to the September 25th, 2020 edition of Weisscast. I am your host, Aaron Weiss, alongside the Milledgeville Mamba, Bryant K. Stinson. I'm back. He is back, ladies and gentlemen, after after uh, a long, too long, too freaking long. Um, <laughs> he's back, and he is settled in Phoenix, Arizona. How, how's that been going? Tell the audience. It's been good. Yeah, it's been good. It's been a good two weeks. I am settled in, living where I'm living, around a bunch of families, super cool environment, and uh, working at the church, which is going strong despite COVID. So it's it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad to be out here, and I'm glad to be back co-hosting with you on Weisscast. I missed it. I missed having you. I mean, we had some good, we had some good people fill in, but it's, you know, it's just not the same. It's just not. Yeah. Screw, yeah. Yeah. Screw them. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's literally called Weisscast. So. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, to talk to you about a name change. Uh... Brian, have you seen the new updated website? I have. It's pretty, it's pretty slick. I mean, obviously, I need to add more to it, but it looks way better than the old one. www.weisscast.com. Plug. Shameless <laughs> plug. It's a nice little. It's a nice little website. I don't know what else to call it. Like, it literally just has our <laughs> bios right now and some contact information. Uh, there's not much on there yet. Um, as a small team here at Weisscast whose primary job is not Weisscast. It's hard to maintain everything at once. So it's a work in progress and it probably will be throughout season three. Um, but enough about that. This week we have Xbox acquiring Bethesda. Mm. We got the storage price for external storage for the Xbox Series X slash S. We got yet another heartbreaking delay from Disney and more because this is Weisscast, the show where each and every week on your favorite podcast service, Brian and I talk about the nerdy news that we think you should know about. If you like that, you can be a part of the show at patreon.com slash Weisscast where you can ask questions that uh, you want to be aired on the podcast. We haven't ever, ever, ever had anyone write in, but hey, there's a first time for everything. Also, <laughs> Patreon supporters get the show earlier and uncut. So thank you to our Patreon producer, Chronoslinger. If you don't have any change to toss our way, no big deal. You can catch the show each and every sun- Sunday because it goes up on Patreon on Friday. Yes. Slash Saturday. Uh, it'll probably go up on Saturday because we're recording kind of late-ish for me on not late but you know it's like i got other things to do this evening like i want to play apex um you can catch the show each and every saturday on patreon and sunday on podcast services around 
the globe. Housekeeping for you. I got a couple of things. First, I'm finished. Wise camera action is still brewing. Uh, there's been some some retooling, some workarounds, um, but I'm still excited about it. Um, it's official. The first series we will be reviewing is Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, if you don't know about Weiss Camera Action, it's a show about uh, some dudes watching movies and talking about them. Sounds boring, but it'll be funny and entertaining. Uh, it comes from the guy that brought you Weisscast. And secondly, you know, we've kind of gotten away from ads since season one, but if you go back with us that long, you might remember that we have one partnership with a website, and that is Into the AM, which is coincidentally today's sponsor, but more on that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be from around the web. Brian, how many articles do we have today? Like five? A baker's dozen. Cool. This is all right. <laughs> First, let's get to the topic of the show, which is, you know, arguably the biggest yeah. article that we have. Microsoft acquires Bethesda. Oh, Zenimax, the parent company. Yeah. Zen- uh, Zenimax Media. Media for $7.5 billion. This article comes from The Verge, written by Nick Stat. Mm. So I'll, I'll, I'll read a little bit of it. Microsoft's priciest video game acquisition, a $7.5 billion purchase of Bethesda Softworks parent company, Zenimax Media, shocked the industry on Monday. The deal puts Bethesda, one of the industry's biggest publishers and owners of some of the most successful gaming series under the Xbox brand. It also raises a simple but powerful question. How does buying Bethesda fit into Microsoft's overall Xbox strategy? The immediate and inevitable reaction from consumers focused naturally on competition and whether future Bethesda titles will become Xbox exclusives. It's a sensible concern. Why, after all, would anyone... Why why would any company in an industry as cutthroat as gaming purchase a major entertainment brand if not to deprive a primary rival the ability to distribute coveted intellectual property on competing hardware? But that's a question Mm -hmm. for the old Microsoft, the one that tried competing with Sony in an exclusivity game that ultimately kept it perpetually lagging behind throughout the Xbox One generation. Xbox chief Phil Spencer tells Bloomberg the immediate plan is to evaluate multi-platform releases on a case-by-case basis. Every major publishing decision Microsoft has taken in the last three years since the launch of Xbox Game Pass subscription service indicates it no longer sees much value in exclusivity or even selling full-price games for that matter. One of the biggest franchises in gaming, Halo, isn't even exclusive to the Xbox platform anymore, thanks to xCloud. You can play Halo on an Android phone if you like. The next major release in the series, Halo Infinite, will be free on Game Pass for console and PC when it launches next year. And the article goes on to kind of compare Microsoft and Sony a little bit. And um, with... The acquisition. So the acquisition. This brings Arcane Studios. Yes. 
um, Zenimax. It brings Machine Games. I think there's a full list. Yes. Yeah. Tango Alpha Game Dog. Works. Alpha Dog. Uh, Id. Roundhouse. Tango Game Works. Yeah. Uh, so many. That's 10 studios added to the 13 that Xbox already had. Yeah. So to review what Xbox already had was 343, The Coalition, Compulsion Games, Double Fine, The Initiative, In Exile Entertainment, uh, Mojang, Ninja Theory, Obsidian Entertainment, Playground Games, Rare, Turn 10, and Undead Labs. So pretty much doubled overnight. Yeah. This is insane. Uh, Brian, I want to hear I want to hear your thoughts on this acquisition. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with where Stat's going, talking about it. Um, it's one of those things where Xbox really, really struggled to keep up with the with the packing power that Sony had in this current soon to be last generation of consoles. And for that reason, I think they had to rethink their strategy if they wanted to main, to remain competitive in the market. Um, Sony has shown on multiple occasions that they're not really interested in doing a subscription-based service to the levels that Xbox is willing to go. And I think that that leaves kind of a gap in the market for Xbox to kind of feed into. Um, what Xbox is offering in the terms of Xbox Game Pass is just not something that Nintendo or Sony are really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that gives them a window and an opportunity to to kind of feed into that. On top of that, they have the their entire PC gaming community that operates with um, uh, operates through Steam or um, mo- is most of their stuff would come through Steam, but they also have the Epic Store and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And so like you have all of these different um, and so you have a huge, a much larger PC gaming community that is feeding into um, something that Microsoft has to keep tabs on as well. Um, is big. It was a big move for them to move to not make Halo something that started on consoles exclusive to consoles anymore. Um, and I think that the acquisition of Bethesda kind of feeds into their philosophy right now. Let's. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Bethesda doesn't even release games that often mm-hmm. to feed into this exclusivity project. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily work that way. But I do think what the acquisition of Zenimax Media, which includes Bethesda and so many of those other um, developers does for Xbox Game Pass is it makes Xbox Game Pass a much more attractive commodity than it may have previously been. And that, for me, is got to be the main reason behind Xbox shelving out $7.5 billion to acquire Zenimax. Um, because then you can play all of these games through Xbox Game Pass. All of, all of these things will be available mm-hmm. to you. Um, which means that when Elder Scrolls Six comes out, instead of paying $60 for it, if you're maintaining a subscription service to Xbox Game Pass, you can get it. Same thing with Starfield when that eventually comes out as well. So I think that that will be attractive to people um, mm-hmm. because of because of the love that people have for Bethesda, even though Bethesda's kind of faltered recently um, with Fallout 76 and 
Fallout 4 was a great game, but not exactly something that people thought was to the levels of like a New Vegas or a mm-hmm. 3. So, um, yeah, I think that this is a really good move for Microsoft. It definitely makes Xbox Game Pass look more attractive, and that kind of feeds into their area in the market where they're trying to find space and room to actually be competitive with Sony. Because in this current generation of consoles coming up, they've already got Sony beat on the low end price point for the Xbox Series S. So if they can make what you get by buying into what Microsoft is offering more attractive, and that can only help them be way more competitive than they were with the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Yeah, I uh, you bring up a lot of good points. And now, it's it, I think it's not necessarily about the exclusives kind of like so the, 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 if you go on to read this article it's like microsoft like of course bought bethesda because they have some beloved ips but yes. it's not necessarily about those because like mm-hmm. you were kind of insinuating like the last few years bethesda's had a, quite a few misses like most recently probably wolfenstein youngblood like yeah the big yeah. expansion to Wolfenstein 2. That I mean, that was a complete miss for a lot of people. Um, Fallout 76, huge miss at launch, and now it's gotten better. And, you know, I'd be interested to see a re-review of that. Um, it's it's consistently put out in the, well, in the last five years, it's specifically, it's put out seven, like sevens and eights, maybe nines at best. Sony in the last five years has consistently put out nines, tens, like just these incredible games, but they're different kinds of games, right? Like, yes. Sony is yeah. known for third person story driven action games. Yeah. Third person story driven, self contained action mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Whereas Xbox now, you could argue that they are now the place for pretty much anything first person like you got halo you got um the elder scrolls you got fallout i mean pretty much all of bethesda's lineup is first person like i can't think of a single third person game from bethesda um maybe elder scrolls online is i don't know um it's not it's it's not elder scrolls online is first person okay yeah so Pretty much all their games are first person, and those vary. I mean, obviously, Wolfenstein's more action story heavy than Elder Scrolls, which is more role playing, and even Fallout is you know more similar to Elder Scrolls, just in a different setting. Starfield's going to be similar to them both, but in a, yet another different setting. Right. Um, so I think. Microsoft, with this, the idea behind this is getting back to what Microsoft's always done well, which is software. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at the literally the most popular word processing program in the world is Word. Yeah. Like, it's been, it's been, a runaway success for them since it came out and 
once they went to the subscription base, it's been even more successful when they brought it to um, Apple. I don't know how long ago that was. Um, www.wisecast.com slash your dash wrong, if you know that. Um, I don't know how long the Microsoft Office suite has been on Apple um, Mac OS. Um, yeah. I don't like, but it's there. It, it's on Android. It's it's everywhere. And I think that Microsoft is largely trying to do this with the Xbox platform. They're trying to make this software available everywhere. They literally want you to play games anywhere. And it doesn't matter if the Series X or S sells gangbusters, right? I no, mean, yeah, absolutely. It, not. If I was a PlayStation diehard fanboy, um, and I had the slightest inkling that this cool game was coming to Xbox, I would, you know, subscribe to Game Pass real quick, try it out on, try it out on XCloud, right? And yeah. like, oh, I really like this game. Uh, I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep subscribed to xCloud. That's like, yeah. that's really, I mean, that's a, a viable option for a lot of people. A lot of people can't afford to have two systems, but they yeah. can afford to have a $15 subscription. Yeah. And that's one of the things too, <clears throat> is as like, if you were to even look at the list of games that ZeniMax Media is bringing by themselves mm-hmm. to kind of what you could probably call like the Microsoft suite of games mm-hmm. in Game Pass. It's a pretty impressive lineup. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you have, I mean, even Arcane with Dishonored, Prey, and then Deathloop, which is still to come, which looks really interesting. You know, you've got Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Starfield, which is to come, Doom, Quake, Rage, Wolfenstein, Evil Within, Ghostwire, Tokyo. Um, and of course you got Elder Scrolls Online, which still has a really big following, Fallout 76, if you're interested in that. Um, and I don't think Roundhouse Studios has anything out at the minute that people that, that that's been announced. Again, if 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 I'm wrong about that, please submit it and let me know what Roundhouse has got going on that has been announced or um but that's a lot of high quality stuff just from Zenimax alone, not even considering that with what Xbox already owns, you have Halo, We Happy Few, Psychonauts, the list goes on, Minecraft, and all those different things. So I I think it's really interesting that overnight Xbox has suddenly made Game Pass a much more lucrative and much more attractive commodity. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that to me will be really really interesting i mean people could very easily do this thing where they where they spin they they splash the cash on a series s or in series x and then buy game pass ultimate and have everything that xbox game studios offers including zenimax media's and EA and EA Play, which gives you all of your Star Wars content, all of your EA Sports content. That's a lot of games for not a lot of money. 
a month. Yeah. Um, which I think is a which I think is really big. And you know, I'm wanting to uh I wanna pay for a lot of Game Pass Ultimate up front. Um if I if and when I get the money because I feel like in the next year or so it's gonna get a little bit of a price hike because it's oh, adding yeah. so much value. I can see it easily going up to twenty five bucks a month. You know. Yeah. But still, not that's still that a bad. deal, right? Yeah, that's a deal. It includes, like you said, it includes the EA whatever they're calling all access. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it's EA called. Play. EA, EA play. EA play. It, it includes EA play. It includes all of Microsoft's first party content, and it even includes you know some some indie games. Like there's over there's yeah. going to be so many games on Game Pass. Yeah, it includes you get games gold. with gold as well. Yeah, games with gold as well. It, inc- it includes XCloud, which if you have an Android device, you can stream to. Which um, it kind of baffles me that you can't stream on like you know Microsoft Edge or whatever, like their their internet browser, or like even on an Xbox yet. Um, yeah, I imagine that's coming with the launch of Series X and S. I have no idea, but um, yeah, this is Xbox is like I'm, I'm trying to think of how I heard it described. Um, they're still competing with PlayStation, right? Yeah, just in a different it, way, right? So it's more like okay, picture this. I think this is this is how I heard it said by another podcast, and I thought it was a really good metaphor. It's like instead of competing in like the same sport, they're competing. They're like they're playing two different sports, but they're competing for the same space. So like, mm-hmm. it's like Atlanta United and the Atlanta Falcons. They share a home, right? Like, yeah, and you know, whoever sells the most tickets is going to get the most attention there, right? And right. you know, it's been pretty even in this life, I mean, in the life of the new stadium since it's open. But I mean, if Atlanta United is doing really well and the Falcons aren't, I mean, I think they're going to give more attention to Atlanta United within the stadium or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like it, it, it's this whole new competition that Xbox has been building towards since Phil Spencer became the head of Xbox. And it's, yeah, it's very impressive. And, you know, I am just, I'm happy that I'm an Xbox guy because it's, it's yeah. really exciting, you know? Let's continue to talk about Xbox, but a different <laughs> aspect of it. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. Um, this also comes from The Verge. This is Tom Warren, uh, probably one of my favorite writers from The Verge. Yeah. Um, Microsoft's first one terabyte expandable drive for the Series X and S will be priced at $219.99. Best Buy has started taking pre-orders for the accessory, revealing a final price that had leaked recently. These expandable 
storage card slot into the rear of both the X and S to match the internal SSD speed and provide one terabyte of extra storage. Microsoft's mm. expandable storage solution is proprietary, and only Seagate has been announced as a manufacturer so far. Microsoft tells me more suppliers and additional sizes will be available in the future, but the $219.99 price point will still surprise many potential Xbox owners for the next gen. The Series X ships with one terabyte of SSD storage, while the S just 512 gigabytes of storage. Microsoft's pricing means that the $299 Series X jumps to nearly $520 if you want that additional storage to bring it up to 1.5 terabytes overall. I'm going to uh, skip ahead a little bit. Uh, that makes that may make the larger Series X. Sorry, I said I was going to skip ahead if you're following along, but I realized that there was more important stuff in that article or in that yeah paragraph that may make the Series X more appealing to those who need storage, particularly as games start to require it once they're enhanced for the Series X and S. Games for the Xbox Series S can be 30% smaller than the Series X, though, which will certainly help with storage options. All right, now skipping down past the pictures. An alternative to the expandable storage is simply using any USB drive to store, store games when you don't need to play them. If they're not enhanced for the X or S, then you'll even be able to run them directly from the USB storage, or you can simply copy them and use the drives as cheaper cold storage. Uh, I'm not going to get into the PlayStation stuff because there's a lot of letters. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Basically, all it says <clears throat> is that there's more flexibility with Sony's approach because they have compatible mm-hmm. SSDs that are being made by wider by wider number of manufacturers, which will allow Sony's price point to be dropped now, over time. I will say, though, I will read this. Um, it needs to be the higher end. PCIe 4.0 NVMe SSDs. So, like these, these have launched this year. They're very new. And right now, the Samsung one terabyte option for the 980 Pro, which is one of those PCIe 4.0 NVMe's, is priced at 229. Mm -hmm. So, if you're looking at expanding, and, and the PS5 has a smaller SSD at 825 gigabytes, I believe. www.wisecast.com slash you're wrong. Yep, it's so true. Go there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it. this sounds like a lot, right? But we know within a year there's going to be third-party support for this I mean, it's proprietary right now, but A, there's going to probably be a 512 card, like half the size card for cheaper. Yeah. Two, yeah. I said A, now two. Uh, a, two, three. Two, they are very likely going to tap other manufacturers to make these. Right now, mm-hmm. it's only Seagate. Um, that doesn't mean that Samsung or, you know, uh, crucial or whoever can't make them in the SanDisk can't make them in the future. That doesn't mean that 
Um, that's just yeah. right now. And, you know, historically, launch has always been expensive. I mean, it's yeah. never been this expensive, but it's always been expensive. Um, and the speeds that these drives are getting, it's such new technology that, of course, it's going to be expensive. Also, you got to look at it. It's proprietary. So they can call, they can make the price whatever they want. This is, yes, this, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a monopolized market at the moment yeah. due to the newness of the, of the software, yeah. the hardware. So, yeah. And something that might get glossed over is pretty much any backwards compatible game that you're going to be bringing to the series S or series X is not going, it's not going to be enhanced. Yeah. Yeah. It's significantly smaller and it's not going to be enhanced. So you will be able to use your, whatever storage solution you want. Like I, I have, I can't bring it up. I have an external SSD right now that I would love to use for it. And I probably, I would probably, I would put all of my yeah. old games on there. Um, yeah, I'm the same way. I have a Samsung PI. I have a Samsung like portable T5. Yeah, that's what I have on a hard drive. Yeah, that's like 500 gigs. So mm-hmm. yeah, so like you'll still be able to use those. Um, the enhanced games will just be larger. Yeah, and so, so and if you don't want to if you don't want to be playing those enhanced games, you can just keep them on the storage for cold storage. Like you won't be able to run the games off there. So like, Oh, I'm, I'm bored with halo right now or whatever, whatever game it is. Just Just transfer it. it. Yeah. Just transfer it there instead of deleting it and then having to redownload it. Cause I mean, we all know data caps are an issue nowadays. Um, You know, speed, internet speeds aren't the same everywhere. So it's going to be faster to just cold store those yep. than it is to, gonna, to completely delete it. And, you know, if yep. they're cold storage, this this is an interesting point that the article doesn't write about that I literally just thought about. If they're cold stored, I wonder if that means they can't be updated via, you know, updates. Like if there's... I don't think they can. Okay. I don't think I don't think you can update them if they're if they're cold storage. Okay, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. But I I just think of how many games I have on my external drive that have not been touched in a while. Mm-hmm. That you know, what's I mean, if I I turned off auto updates because I live in an area that has uh, data cap, but I I think. If I had auto updates on, they would, auto, you know, update automatically, no problem. Um, yeah, it, it, this is interesting, and a lot of people I've heard were like, "Whoa, two hundred twenty dollars for that little SSD card thing." Yeah. Uh, give like, it time. Give it time. The price will come down. There will be competition. Um, yeah, and it's smart on the part of Microsoft knowing the significant difference in price between the X and the S. If you were to buy an S and then buy 
this um, small like SSD, um, which like in, increases your internal storage, that actually puts the total at a higher price mm-hmm. than the X by itself. Mm-hmm. So you would actually be spending more money on these two things than you would on an Xbox Series X by itself. Yeah. So that again, that that puts people in a position where they're like, okay, do I want to buy a, a system that already has more storage, um, or do I want to buy a system that has less storage um, and runs games at thirty percent at a thirty thirty percent smaller than the other one due to um, just its lack of power capabilities, and then also buy this other thing. Um, which will end up being more money anyway. So you have to go through that decision in your mind um, because I think that Xbox is probably going to want to, I mean, they're, they're pushing the X um, mm-hmm. and they're, they're pushing the X. They know that more people are going to look at the S price point wise and kind of be, be swayed by that, be lured and attracted by that. But um, I think that having both of these things will might, might push people in a direction to just buy an X Um because of the capabilities that the X can run games at that the S just can't because of the type of console it is. So it'll be really interesting to see, to see how this is. Um, games are expensive now because games are bigger and technology is advancing all the time. Mm-hmm. So this is not the first time we've seen a significant leap like this and it will not be the last. So yeah, eventually we'll all just be buying PCs. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I mean, kind of a side note, I, it's kind of looking like this might be the last true Xbox console generation. I, I mm. think they're trying to get away from it and shift to that more platform. And, you know, if they do come out with another console, it might be more like the S, mm. kind of just like a little small box device that you can play your games at, but that is not the topic. Um, <laughs> let, let's, cool. let's, let's move on to uh, this article that you posted. I, I think it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. So we're going to talk about movies and their delays. <laughs> so um, delays. yeah, it's another article from the verge written by Julia Alexander um, about the black widow movie. So black widow has been the, de- been delayed to 2021, um, which pushed back the Eternals and other Marvel movies. And so I'll read a little bit of the article and then we'll chat about it. So in a predictable fashion, Disney is delaying Black Widow to 2021 as the company continues to navigate the current theatrical landscape during the COVID-19 pandemic. This marks the first time since 2009 that a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie hasn't been released in a calendar year. Black Widow will now open on May 7th, 2021, more than a year after it was originally scheduled to be released. Like with other Marvel delays, Black Widow's new date pushes Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings back from its May 7th release to July 9th. The Eternals was supposed to be released February 12th, 2021. It's now been pushed back to November 5th, 2021. And a number of other Disney films, including West Side Story and The Kingsman, were also moved around as a part of the shuffle. Um, and so the article basically goes on to to talk a little bit about how other movies have been affected because of COVID, like Mulan being moved from theaters to a um, kind of like a special service on Disney Plus where you pay $30 to watch the movie and things like that. And them just trying to make some 
commodity, some money back for the amount of money they output it to make these movies to begin with. Um, this is less about COVID and it's more just about what movies are looking like right now. Um, could this be the beginning of the end for movie theaters? You know, that's a very interesting question. Yes and no. Mm. I think that there will always be an audience for film. Um, I have a friend that used to have AMC A list. Yeah. The the I mean, you got you might remember Movie Pass. We talked about Movie Pass in early Weisscast. Yeah. Um, AMC A list was very similar. Uh, you paid twenty bucks a month. You could see three movies a week of any format. The the large format, the three D, whatever, brand new movies, you know, midnight releases, whatever. You could go see them. Um for that twenty dollar flat rate a month. Really good deal considering that movies are like, you know, minimum ten dollars a ticket. Um Yeah. And I I think there's this hardcore audience of moviegoers that will keep movie theaters alive. I don't think that they will be as many of them as there are. Um, and here's, here's my interesting prediction. I think that there's going to be a rise in drive-ins. Okay. Drive-ins kind of more naturally lend themselves to the social distance that we're, we're, we're aiming for like the starlight drive-in here in Atlanta. I knowledge it never shut down during COVID because it didn't need to. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hopefully going to see tenant tonight at yeah. starlight. Um, and it's, it'll be my first drive-in experience. I've never been to a drive-in movie theater. I'm very excited. Um, you know, for the longest time, this was a slice of American culture to go to the drive-in. Yep to see movies and you know, this is like, I could literally just picture these drive-in theaters popping up everywhere, especially in small town USA, you know, um, or in between small towns in America because they can't make enough money for just one little town, whatever it is. Like, I think there's going to be a resurgence of drive-in theaters. And to to that point, mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, movie distributors like, you know, Disney, like um, Columbia Pictures, like Paramount, MGM, whoever it is, Universal, might start going the, you know, the streaming route, or at least um, I know who is it? Universal has this deal with AMC. Now it's like they can keep their movies in the theater exclusively for like two and a half weeks before they go to digital streaming platforms or before they release it digitally. I mean, that's a, that's a viable option too. That, that, that caters to both sides, you know? Um, I don't blame anyone for not wanting to go to a movie theater in these times that we're in. Right. I mean, I was looking at the box office, 
box office numbers from last weekend. Tenet was the number one movie. Do you know how much money it made last weekend? It's like twenty million. No, uh, that's total. Like total. 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 Okay. What's it it's, made? It made seven million dollars last weekend. Okay. Wow. In a normal year. In a normal year, this movie would have hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. In the box office, like people just aren't going. You know. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the things that I'm. The reason I asked that question to begin with was because I, I thought it was. I thought it was really interesting because of the fact that since Disney's acquisition of Marvel Studios, it, it like, this is one of the most lucrative things that, that Disney has Mm -hmm. and COVID naturally is hurting, is, is hurting that it's hurting Disney's wallet in that regard. Um, I think it's going to be really, really hard for them to kind of gauge what things are going to look like. And I think that's why Disney would rather not do what they did with Mulan Mm -hmm. with black widow. Right. It's just a completely different, like those, those two things exist in completely different worlds. Um, And, you know, like black widow would not make, anywhere near as much money as they needed to if they were to use premium access like to release it on Disney Plus as a premium access release. It would probably make a lot of money, but it would not make anywhere near as much money if they were able to release it in theaters at a point when people are going back to watch movies in mass, right? And so that's the hard part mm-hmm. for, for Disney right now, but with the way that the timelines work, for their movies and their releases one one push back to one movie will just push back the entire list and that's i mean you're just going to continually lose lose money in, mm-hmm. in in regards to that um granted i know like losing you know losing a million to a couple million here and there to disney is not a big deal but they they still want to release their commodities in a way that is going to be beneficial for them financially. And so I think that um, hearing them, hearing the Black Widow movie getting pushed back um, again is, is it's not really good news. I know a lot of people really looking Mm -hmm. forward to it as well. So here, here's an interesting thought. Okay. I don't think it'll necessarily change how movies are consumed. Okay. I mean, like I said, like I was saying, it might add that tier of you can buy it and watch it via streaming day one instead of in theaters. That might that might happen. That might become more commonplace. I think more likely this is going to change how movies are made. Yeah. My brother and I were talking about how budgets have just inflated yeah in in the past 20 30 years and yeah there are these high risk high reward movies like um i mean what was avatar not not last airbender but avatar james cameron's avatar was at the time it was the most expensive movie ever made but then it broke box office records and became the highest grossing movie ever 
with you know well over a billion dollars and disney has franchises that have made well over a billion dollars with each entry i mean look at each star wars movie release i think there's only only um han solo didn't is the only one that didn't make over a billion dollars i i could be kind of or Weissgas.com slash your dash wrong. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, even Disney made 13, mil- 13 billion in the box office in 2019, and most of that was due to Avengers Endgame. Yeah. So, yeah, that just kind of even strengthens what you're saying. It's these high risk, high reward. Why not go back to the low risk, high reward? Like, uh, I think of here's a decent example. The Conjuring. Granted, it's a horror flick. A lot right. of horror a horror flicks are naturally cheaper. But it it was twenty million dollars to make worldwide. It made three hundred and twenty million dollars. Sixteen times its budget. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's insane. Um, like. You, you you can't even say that necessarily about like some of the Marvel movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're yeah. gonna have to figure out cheaper ways to make these these films, and I think a lucrative yeah. option might be the way that they're doing the Mandalorian. Yeah, the way that they film it. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. the way that they film it, and that that show looks incredible. Yeah. And yet, I mean, it could still be big budget right now. I'm looking it up right as we speak. Well, I think one of the interesting things um, about the Marvel property is the Marvel property, I think, more than most movie properties that exist are hurt more because of COVID because they are designed for families because of the company that pushes them, right? Okay. And the whole family isn't going to go to watch movies anymore right? because of COVID. So it changes your demographics to who attends movies in theaters. People are still going to watch movies, mm-hmm. right? But the demographic at which or the demographic of which Disney are targeting with their Marvel franchise are not going to watch movies anymore. So to kind of go back to the point that you were making, if when we get on the other side of COVID, but maybe people have these habits and these routines and rhythms set in to where whole families don't necessarily go to watch movies anymore which changes the demographics of people who attend movies, who who attend movie theaters to watch films that may force Disney to change the way that they make the movies to be more attractive to the new demographic of people who are going to watch them. So I think that would be kind of an interesting thing to just see how movies are made get shift and the types of people that go to watch movies get shift and it starts to shift going forward. I'm doing a little bit of math here. Okay. Okay. So I just did some crazy math real quick. Um, the first season of Mandalorian cost yeah. $100 million to make. There are wow. eight episodes. They average 40 minutes. Yeah. So that's 320 minutes of entertainment. 
right? Yeah. And yeah. let's just say, let's just say that the average movie is ninety minutes long. I know it's longer for action movies, whatever. Yeah. That's the if if they started making movies the way that I was describing, or then the way of the Mandalorian. If they they took the strategy that I was describing and started making movies in the way of the Mandalorian, that's a twenty eight million dollar budget yeah. for a ninety minute film. I think that's very feasible. That's yeah. a low risk, high reward. You could easily make half a billion dollars on a movie like that. I think. I mean, Disney could for sure. Yeah. Um, my my example that I did. Um, when I was talking with my brother about this a couple of weeks ago was Deadpool. The first yeah. Deadpool had a minuscule budget, but it made gobs of cash, just lots of cash. Take that model. Deadpool was a great film. I want to say its budget was around $50 million. Yeah. I think it was 58. Exactly. I think. Yeah. And it just made oodles of cash. And they did it smart. They they yeah. they relied on the writing. They took lesser known X Men. Um, they put their money in uh, the CG of Colossus, and not necessarily other places. They used a lot of practical <laughs> yeah. effects. Um, yeah. They yeah. were smart with their budget. Yeah, and and just to even strengthen that, what you're saying is Deadpool's budget was 58 million. They in the box office they made 783 million dollars. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's feasible. It's very feasible. You can do a good superhero movie for under a hundred million dollars. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know if things are going more the miniseries route, like The Mandalorian, I mean. It's hard to gauge how much money that that's made, but I know people that have only gotten Disney Plus specifically for Mandalorian. Yeah. So it's possible. And like we're saying, making good looking uh, film is getting cheaper because of this new technology specifically used and created for the Mandalorian. And if you don't know about that technology, uh, there's a great behind the scenes look. If you had Disney Plus, go watch that. Um, I, I mean, I, it's hard to describe it. Even it's just like so kind of out there. You wouldn't think of the way that they do it. Yeah, you know, it's very, it's very creative. It's very creative, and it lends it, it lends itself to being able to make what they what they make despite all of the difficulties of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really interesting. They don't, they, they stay in one place and they use a really interesting kind of screen. They don't have very many people on screen at one, at one point. So when they do, you know, it's a big deal. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a great behind the scenes look at the Mandalorian, which of course, if you haven't seen the first season, you got, um, about, about a month. You got about a month until the next season. So get on your butt, watch five and a half hours worth of TV. Um, yeah. it's worth it. <laughs> it's, um, worth it. it's very good. All right, well, let's let's move on to the next thing. The last topic, and I'm not even going to read this article. It's from The Verge Classic. I think this whole week was sponsored by The Verge. Oh, speaking of sponsors, let's get to this week's sponsor real quick before the last article. 
Bryant, do you like clothes? Yes. Do you ever accessorize? Yes. If you answered yes to either of these questions, Into the AM has your back. I personally have a couple hats from them, and boy, do I like them. Maybe Into the AM isn't your style, but you know someone who would like their stuff. It makes a great gift for birthdays, and the holiday season is just right around the corner. Bryant, it's, it's September 25th. You know what that means? It's three months till Christmas. Isn't that crazy? Man, what a year. Yeah, I hope I hope Santa does I, I hope Santa brings us all a vaccine. Um that'd be really nice. Um yeah, that'd be nice. if you want to be blown away by out of this world comfort, go to into the am.com and enter promo code Weissgast and you'll save ten percent at checkout. That's into the am.com promo code Weissgast. Now back to the show. So yesterday, kinda out of nowhere, Amazon had this uh showcase where they were unveiling the new echo products um there's this new uh ring drone so they they have ring video doorbell that that they they bought the company and they make all these home security stuff they have this drone that like flies around when it detects motion in like videos it's very interesting um, they're, I mean, they came out with a new echo show. They came out with a new echo dot, um, their Alexa devices. That's not what this is about. No, nope. Amazon announced a new cloud gaming service to compete with the likes of Google Stadia and Microsoft X cloud called Luna. Now, what a great name. Great name, by the way. It's an incredible name and, um, it's launching with a hundred plus titles, um, including, Resident Evil 7. Um, control. Control. Okay, those are the two that I'm really interested in. Um, yeah, the rest are, yeah, whatever. But. The rest are whatever. I mean, granted, it's launching with a couple-year-old games, but I mean, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Um, the controller kind of looks like a modified Switch controller or Switch Pro controller a little bit. Um, but they're doing cloud gaming very much the way that Prime Video operates. They're having channels. And the first confirmed channel, besides Luna Plus, um, which is um, if you if you get the early access, you have to sign up for early access on Amazon.com. Um, I did today, actually, because I'm really interested in trying it. But um, early access, you're paying $5.99 a month to access these games for unlimited hours. And you get access to their proprietary controller that looks like the Switch controller for forty nine ninety nine. Um, not bad, six bucks a month. Not bad. Um, but like I said, they have these channels, and the first confirmed channel is Ubisoft. And here's the thing about the channels, specifically Ubisoft: you're going to be able to play brand, their brand new games like um, Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, Immor- Phoenix Immortal Rising, uh, Watch Dogs Legion, um, the Sands of Time remake. You're going to be able to play all those day one on Luna, which is huge. That's something that Stadia never had. And granted, this is something that xCloud has with first-party Xbox games. But it's sounding like 
Amazon is making these deals with publishers so people can pick and choose their favorite publisher channel to see what they want to pay for. So, like, there are diehard Ubisoft fans out there that will want to play all of those games day one but not be able to afford, you know, dropping $300 to play them all day one. Mm. Um, but they can afford six bucks a month. This is a very interesting move from Amazon. And um, I did see, actually, where's the article? It also has Twitch integration, which is really interesting. Yes, that that is huge. Um, I saw what the equivalent it'll be running on. I don't know if it was on The Verge or what. It's like, it's a very impressive. Darn, I lost it. Unless it's in this article. No, it's not. Anyways, it's going to be running on some very powerful hardware in the cloud. And on launch day, it's going to guarantee 1080 60. So 1080p, 60 frames per second. And it will go up to 4K um, when, you know, when it launches full. Um, I, I have talked about this dozens of times on Wisecast. I am a frame rate person. I'm not big on resolution. Um, this is incredible if it works, right? I mean, we said the same thing about Stadia in season one. It's incredible if it works, but what, what will be even more incredible is if it gets, uh, support, which Stadia is incredible. It works. It doesn't have support. Yeah. I want to know your thoughts on Luna, Brian. I think it's a really good move from from Amazon um, again it, it's one of those things where I'm interested to see how it runs I think in this most recent generation of games specifically on console there were a lot of instances where these really big games were experiencing frame rate and hitching and stuttering issues um, which was frustrating for a lot of people. And so I think that that's one of the things that a lot of, whether it's Google Stadia or Luna or um, Xbox or PlayStation are kind of trying to nail down going forward. So I think it'll be really interesting to see. The the one thing that I like that stood out to me that I thought was really interesting about, about Luna is um, the Twitch integration. And so how you can see Twitch streamers, Twitch streams playing the game in the service. Um, so I, I think that's really, I think that would be really interesting to see kind of how that goes for it. So it's a, it's a good idea. I like the name, um, the, the controller again, I mean, it just looks kind of like a switch controller, just like you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I think the the idea of the channels and things is really interesting. All, all, like all over, I like the the vision and the direction that Amazon are taking this. Again, it needs to have the right 
support going going forward to ensure that it will be successful. Um, so if it works, it'll be really good. But that I, for me, I think at the moment that's a big if. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. So I found the article that I was talking about. It was not on the bridge. Okay. I should have sent this one instead. It's on Ars Technica. It's written by Kyle Orland. Yeah. Amazon Luna servers will run Windows games directly on NVIDIA T4 GPUs. And then the cool. subheading is no need for Stadia style ports to Linux. Burn. Um, yeah. Amazon's newly announced Luna streaming service will run Windows games on standard Amazon Web Services EC2 G4 instance. The company told Ars Technica in a roundtable discussion. Those servers instances sport NVIDIA T4 GPUs equipped with 320 Turing Tensor cores and support for NVIDIA's grid virtualization drivers. Luna's server architecture is significantly different from that of Google Stadia, which uses Linux-based data drivers and Vulkan's open-source graphics APIs. That means extra work for Stadia developers who have to port their existing games to Stadia's environment, which can sometimes lead to apparent graphical snafus. Hmm. The precise amount of porting work needed for a Stadia port can vary. A game like Doom 2016, which already sported Vulkan graphics, reportedly took only three weeks of full-time work by two developers to get it running on Stadia. But Cyberpunk 2077, which will be coming to Stadia after its Windows and consoles launches, according to publisher er, yeah, publisher CD Projekt Red, likely due to extra porting effort. This is huge. Mm. This, I think, confirms that Stadia is dead. Yeah. I mean, this is the nail in the coffin. I'm sorry, Stadia. I, I really like the service. Um, but Amazon Luna sounds great. And, you know, for as evil as a corporation as I think Amazon is, I give them a lot of money. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I might be giving them more money because Luna sounds sick. Um, I I hope that it's supported more because um, you know the Twitch integration is very interesting to me because I I tweeted the other day that I want to get back into streaming once I don't have a data cap, um, and just being able to pull up a thing in my controller and uh, oh look button Twitch. That sounds awesome, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is very exciting. Um, Amazon Luna is going to be very interesting. Oh, also, um, here's an interesting thing about Luna that we have not talked about. Um, so you'll run it via the web on either your PC or Mac. Um, it'll have an Android app soon. And it'll also run via the web on iOS devices. Yeah. So they're getting around the uh, the App Store and that's fine because it's not an app. You know, it's yeah. running, you, you can just open Safari on your iPhone, run Luna. Um, also, of course, you'll be able to run it on your Fire TV or Fire TV Stick, whatever. I mean, you, you'll have support for it there very much like Stadia can run on Google Android TV. Um, this just became 
you know, overnight the best streaming option, in my opinion. I mean, granted, no, no, no one's used it. <laughs> but on paper, it became the best streaming option. And, you know, I mean, xCloud is a close second because it's included with something I already paid for, which is Game Pass Ultimate. But you and I both have iPhones, so we can't use xCloud right now. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, it, I think they'll figure out a workaround. They'll, they'll, they'll get, you can, you, I feel like they'll find a way to do it. But yeah, this, this just became a very lucrative option. And I applaud Amazon. Yeah, I, I think that's a good, I think it's a good move for them as evil as they are. <laughs> so again, yeah, time will tell how well this does. This will have to be one of those uh, wait and see things from the Weisscast perspective. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. Me All right. too. You know what time it is? Dinner time? Almost. Peanut butter jelly time? It's peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter. No, <laughs> it is time for Weisscast 20 questions. And I have a doozy for you. Oh I've been off for two weeks, so I'm going to be uh, a little rusty. I, of course, will keep count. And you get a hint at question 15. Got it. Uh, we've already discussed this in the pre-show. This is a video game. Mm. Um, so yeah, let's let's hop right in. All right. Was this game released after January first, twenty ten? It was not. Okay. Was this game released after January first? 2005. It was not. Oh boy, we're getting out of my depth quick. Was this game released after January 1st, 2000? It was. Okay, all right. So, got a five year window. That's good. Is this game an exclusive to any particular platform? It is. Okay, got it. Um, is it exclusive to Nintendo? No. Is it exclusive to Sony? No. Okay. Is it exclusive to Xbox? Yes. Okay. Hmm. It's exclusive to Xbox. Is it an RPG? So it's not an RPG. Okay. Is 
Is it a multiplayer game? Yes. Yes. Okay. Got it. Is hmm. Is the protagonist of this game? Oh, okay. Well, so it's a multiplayer game. Um, it's a racing game. Uh, kind of. Maybe possibly. Kind of. It seems as if there is a racing element. Oh no! <laughs> oh god! www.wisecast.com/slash/your-dash-wrong. <laughs> okay, so it's a racing element. Um. Xbox game racing element has this game had any sequels great question great question yes it has hmm I'm out to see here that's 10 S10, okay. It's had sequels. So it's a part of a franchise. Um, have any of the sequels of this game been released on the current generation of consoles? So, like, is it on Xbox One? Like, the sequels? No. Okay, so it hasn't had a sequel that's been released on Xbox One. Okay. Mm. So it has racing elements, but it doesn't technically make it a racing game. But it's a multiplayer game. Correct. Um, Don't focus on the racing elements. That's what I'm trying, yeah, that's what I'm trying not to do. Um, it's just a multiplayer game. Hmm. Is a studio that made this game currently still making games? It is not. Okay. Um, Oh man, I'm struggling here. So the studios studios defunct light racing elements multiplayer game has sequels part of a franchise. Hmm. So even though it's not an RPG, does this game have any RPG elements? No. None whatsoever. Okay. This is question 15 right here. Um, the one I'm about to ask is question 15. Oh, um, my cat must have been off. 
Yeah. No, 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 yeah, yeah. You're on four. You fourteen is that? That what I just asked? Okay. Fourteen. Cool. Yeah. So no, you're right. Um. Um. Is this game? Was this game critically acclaimed? No, it's more of a cult classic. Okay. All right. I would I would love my hint. <laughs> I am out to see here. Okay. Your hint is uh, I'll, I'll make it a two part but one hint. Okay. This game was an Xbox launch title. Oh, it was an Xbox launch title developed by Blitz Games. Oh my word. Oh, is is this game a shooter? No. I don't know very many things that are made by Blitz games. Blitz games made like a Frogger game like way back in the day, but I don't think I don't think that's it. Xbox launched. That's crazy. Um I have no idea. Holy. Is it a party game? It is. It's a party game. Oh my goodness. What are some party games that were made by Blitz that have like racing elements to them? Hold on. Hold on. Do do people roll around in little balls in this game? Yep. I think I know what it is. Yes, anytime. Is it? Is this game Fusion Frenzy? Yep. Oh my god! It sure <laughs> is. Released on November fifteenth, two thousand one. Fusion Frenzy was met with middling reviews. It has a seventy percent on Metacritic right now, but IGN gave it an eight point three out of ten. Um, 
Yeah, I'd say this is more of a cult classic. It's actually yeah. on Game Pass. I didn't know how to really answer that question. That's fair. About, about I was like, yeah, I was asking if a if a version of it had been released, and that's mm-hmm. one I should have said that instead. Yeah, um, it only had one sequel, Fusion Frenzy Two. There you go. On Xbox 360. And it was not nearly as beloved as the original. And actually, just reading about that game made me really want to play it. Um, I never played it. And I might download it on Game Pass and, you know. Give it a whirl. Man. I was so lost for so long. The point of questions is. So hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, folks, that is all we have for you this week. But if you liked that, throw us a bone on Patreon. Why not? $1 gets you the show uncut and early, and it gives you the power to write in to write in your questions to us. If you enjoyed listening to us, subscribe to us on podcast services around the globe. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Weiss, and you can find me at The Weiss is Right on Instagram and Twitter. Bryant, where can they find you? Yes, you you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BKFinson08. I have an amazing outro song for you folks and I'm pulling it up right now and I'm so excited for you to, to, to listen to it. And I'm just, I'm just stalling because I couldn't remember exactly what it was. It is an eight bit cover of Superman.